movie opens is um, Lakeith's character, uh, Cassius Green, but his nickname is Cash. He is uh, applying for the job, applying for like the main job of the movie, right? So it's this telemarketing position, and um, he's in the interview, and he has like uh, a plaque, you know, saying employee of the month and a trophy, and he just like has this like great resume with all this good stuff on it. Basically, everything an employer will want to hear, right? If they're gonna hire you, all the stuff that kind of makes you sound like the best candidate. So, um, you know, the Keith is just kind of like giving his little speech about, you know, why he's the best guy for the job. And the employer cuts him off. And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, that sounds great. But he's like, um, it's funny that you say you were employee of the month and you were a manager at this particular company. Because he's like, well, I used to work there. And he's like, I don't remember you being a manager. I don't remember you being employee of the month. And, um, you know, so Cassius or Cash, he's looking like, oh, shit, (laughs) like, you know, oh, they know the secret. I'm definitely not going to get the job. Um, You know, so the guy who's interviewing him, he's like, you know, relax. Basically, this is a telemarketing position. I will pretty much hire anybody. Um, All I want you to do is stick to the script. So um, he offers him the job, he's super excited, he goes home and he tells his girlfriend, uh, Tessa Thompson, who's played, whose character's name is Detroit, Um, you know, so they're super happy. So at the moment, Cash is living at home with his uncle, uh, who's played by Terry Crews, Terry Crews, his name is Sergio, Um, he's living in his uncle's garage, so... You know, he's not flexing. He's struggling. His car is, like, um, almost broken down. You know, it's a little a little hoop-de-hoop. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's struggling. He's trying to get a job. He needs a job. So he did what he felt that he needed to do. Um, you know, what he, he felt like he did what he needed to do, what he needed to put on his resume and the things he needed to say to get this job. But he um he did get the job and so yeah he's happy he think he's thinking like hey good things are coming I'm finally gonna get some money move out of this garage get a place you know big things are gonna happen I'm gonna be moving on up all that good stuff so um so yeah that's pretty much how it opens um so you know Detroit and Cash I would say they're pretty much like a woke couple. Um, you know, their conversations are about, you know, everything from, you know, the man, the system, really just like how to be your authentic black self in this crazy racist world, um, all that type of good stuff. But, you know, as the film goes on, you'll kind of see that Detroit is a lot more serious about being, uh, an activist and being true to herself and not really, I guess, selling out more than Cash is. Um, I think they call him Cash, obviously, for a reason. And he's, let's just say he's about his money. <laughs> so um, so that's that. So next scene, he starts a job, right? It's like he goes to work. He's super excited. Guy has his little Sunday's best on and he's ready to go. He's ready to 
hit the phone, do these calls, make his money, get these checks. So basically, he starts a job and he's making the phone calls and he's finding out that it's not that easy. He's literally getting hung up on call after call after call. Um, These white folks do not want to hear from him. They are not listening. He is just not that appealing. So, you know, uh, Danny Glover actually is his co-worker and sits right next to him. His name is Langston in the film. And he sees him struggling. And he's like, hey, like, uh, basically, if you want to do well at this job, this is what you need to do. So he's like, you need to use the white voice. And Cash is looking at him like, mm, nah, I'm good, bruh. Like, <laughs> thank you for the advice, but I'm going to do it my way. So Langston is like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you'll change your mind. So he's like, you know, let me do it for you so you can kind of like see how this works. So he does it. Um, if anybody's seen the trailer, that kind of seems to be the most popular one is where Danny Glover is doing the white voice and showing uh cash the ropes basically like hey dude if you want to get paid this is what do it so cash listens but he's just like no i think i'm just gonna do it my way so again his way is not really working um he starts feeling defeated he hangs out with one of his buddies uh, who also works there who told him about the job his name is salvador um he actually is played by jermaine fowler who's a comedian so they go into a club or to a bar and they're talking, they're drinking. He's asking how he feels about the job, you know, and Cash is kind of being, you know, feeling a little defeated. So he sees all these people going into like this other section of the bar and he's like, oh, what's that? And Salvador is like, oh, well, you need like a password to get into that section. So Cash is like, well, give me the password. So he gives it to him. He goes back there. He sees all these people who like, who just look like they're thriving, right? They look like they're just making money. They're, um, you know, got their champagne glasses and, and their expensive alcohol. Music's booming. All the pretty women are in there. Pretty much like the VIP section of the club, right? Where you got your little red rope and all this this extra stuff going on, um, which is always funny to me because I'm like, this is still the same club. The only difference is like, if there's a rope here, you may be buying like several hundred dollar bottles or bottles that cost like a grand or more, but I'm just like, it's the same club. Like the only thing is separated is like you being in a different section. So that's just always been funny to me, but (laughs) moving on, um, Cash is feeling it. He's like, oh, no, this, these are my people. This is where I need to be. Um, so you can tell there's, like, a shift in him. Um, so he actually, somebody's supposed to drink on him, and he gets all upset. And you can tell that he feels a little, like, invisible in this place. But you can tell that that's where he wants to be. He wants to be up there with the high shots or, you know, whatever he thinks those, thinks those people are. So he goes back out to his buddies and his fr- his friends and his girlfriend, Detroit. He's like, I'm going to make a toast. He's like, things are about to change. Um, he does the toast in his white voice. And so everybody's looking at him like, dude, what the, what the hell is that? <laughs> and so he's like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm trying out this new thing. I think it's going to work for me. So they do a toast the next day, you know, 
he does it. He starts doing the white boys. And lo and behold, what happens? Um, they're taking his calls. They're listening to him. They're joking. They're laughing. They're talking about playing golf. Knowing damn well Cash does not play golf. I mean, he can't even, you know, he literally put like coins in his car to pay for gas. And he's not golfing at the moment, clearly. Um, but he's taking um, Langston's advice. He's doing the white voice. He's pretending like he has his whole little white persona and his whole life um, so that he can relate to these clients so that they can buy the product and so he can get paid ultimately. And it's working. So there's like this whole montage with him and his boss. And, you know, it's just showing him like closing deal after deal after deal. So Cash is feeling good about himself. He knows that the money is about to roll in. And his boss starts talking about like, oh, maybe you can even potentially be a power caller, which is like a separate section of the company um, where they have like a gold elevator. You go up to a higher level and those people are like really making money. Right. Those are like those are the ballers. So, um, you know, Cash is really feeling himself. He's just like, you know, that's his new goal. Pretty much like he may want to be a power caller because he really just wants to be um you know, living the good life. So, uh, so yeah, he's feeling himself. He's doing the white voice. So just to pause on the movie for a second. Um, yeah, it was kind of difficult for me to watch that, watch those scenes where he's like pretending to be someone else to be successful. And, you know, I think, Black people and people of color can attest to this, that this is a thing that happens, right? Like whether someone does it of their own free will or they feel forced into that situation, uh, assimilating in white spaces, especially workspaces, is a thing that happens all too often in this country um, or even across the world um, for, for people of color because they want to succeed, um, now I can't speak for other people. Me personally, um, I made a social media post recently about the whole sounding white thing. And I won't get into it too much because I really do want to talk about just the movie. But essentially I was just saying that since I've been a kid, like little, pretty little, like elementary school, people have told me that I sounded white. Um... Initially, it started with, like, black people saying that. And then as I got older and was around white people, you know, they would say it, too. Either way, it's not a compliment, at least not in my eyes. Um, and from my personal experience, it was not something I was trying to do. It was just the way my voice had had come to form. You know, like, different things influence your voice and the way you sound. I've had people say I sound Southern. I've had people say oh, you sound white, or, you know, whatever, whatever. But um, going back to the workplace thing, um, it's a known fact, you know, that black people, white people, whatever, it's known that it's thought that if you do sound white, that you are basically going to do a lot better in the workplace. Um, And that's like, and that's just like a scary, a scary truth, right? I'm not going to say it's inaccurate. I'm not going to say like people haven't been like, oh, you're going to do well in life. 
if your voice sounds like that and it's just like wait what i'm just like so basically if basically if someone doesn't sound that way they're not going to do well so essentially that's what the movie plays on right he wasn't doing well before his voice didn't sound white he switched it up his voice starts sounding white he started doing really well and so the issue for me is that he didn't really question it too much like as soon as he switched it up and he started doing well he's just like well this is what I have to do this is what I have to do um and that was really sad to see because I think he felt like his options were few and that he just had to do whatever it was he had to do to survive to get his checks and things like that so um again like I said I know all of us had our own experiences as pe- experiences as people of color working in predominantly white spaces and serving or providing services to uh, predominantly white clients and customers um, and that all has that has meant different things for different people but you know I really would just love you guys feedback because I know we all have some like really interesting stories right so I set up a gmail account and if you guys want to um, reach out to me you can do that we can chit chat um, you can you guys can even be featured on the podcast through this app uh, we can arrange all that type of stuff but anyway if you want to get in touch with me you want to have feedback you want to give me ideas about future episodes just any of that good stuff uh, reach out to me you can email me at youngish gifted and black literally the same name as the podcast so it's gonna be youngish gifted and black at gmail.com so reach out you know say what you gotta say I'm definitely gonna respond because you know my podcast is about content that I want to share topics that I want to discuss um, as well but it's also really about you guys too like I want this to be a back and forth it's definitely not you know my world and all about me I want to have a dialogue I want to go back and forth and really just um, have a platform where we all can have things that we want to talk about and share and discuss. Um, but moving on, I will, you know, just kind of move on with things in the movie that struck me. So at the same time that Cash is doing really well at the company and making a lot of profit and even hearing that he may get promoted to a power caller if he, you know, keeps up the good work, um, there's other things happening at this company, right, where people are getting fed up with the treatment. So it's a telemarketing company and, um, yeah, so some of the things that they're upset about the employees is like the pay. There is no pay. It's a commission-based job. If you do not make a sale, you do not get paid. Um, there's this, you know, really short breaks, different things where they just feel like they're not really getting fair treatment and being valued. Um, I believe that there's no health insurance with this job. I think it's pretty much this straight-up sales commission position where you come in, you do the work, and you will only get paid if you make a sale. And I believe the compensation even for if you, you know, when you do make a sale, really not, it may not be that much money unless you 
are like a top salesperson and making a lot of money. So basically everyone who's a power caller who gets to go on the go elevators and making a lot of money and everybody who's on the floor where cash um, and Langston and Salvador work aren't really making that much money. It's kind of obvious that everybody is doing just, you know, they're doing okay. Um, really not even doing okay, doing less than that. So people are frustrated and they want to do something about it. They want to organize, they want to get together, they want to protest and demand that they get fair, fair treatment, fair wages, fair opportunities. Um, so it's obvious that they're about to kind of organize and do like a labor union, right? So that kind of is led by actually uh, a Korean character. Um, his name is Steven. Um, but on the movie, or in the movie, his name is Squeeze. He's actually a character from Walking Dead. If there's any Walking Dead fans out there, he was on that show. So he's kind of the one who jumps that off where he's just like, you know, he talks to Cash and he's like, hey, like, I see what you're doing. You know, you asked a good question recently in the meeting about are we going to get paid more? Um, and he's like, you know, by the way, like, I have a few people we're getting together. We want to discuss, you know, how we're treated here and how to kind of... Uh, demand that we get better treatment, you know, through organizing. So Cash is kind of like, mm, you know, like I'm new, I'm starting to do well, you know, I don't know if I want to rock the boat. So the guy's like, obviously, you know, we're going to meet outside the office and talk about this and, um, you know, just kind of meet up with us and, and learn what we're talking about. So he does that. And um, you can tell that he's not all the way in like he's kind of feeling like who's gonna take care of me at the end of the day right he's like I have to make this money um and I don't want to interfere with that I gotta get out of my uncle's garage um he also finds out that his um uncle is gonna lose the house so he also needs to actually help him come up with a lot of money so he can save his uncle's house so that they're not both homeless and on the street. So he has a lot of pressure on him to make a lot of money in a short amount of time. So, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Um, But in any case, his girlfriend Detroit is all about the movement, the protests that Stephen and Salvador Langston and some of the other co-workers are trying to do. They think that it's the best thing to do for all the employees. They're thinking about the company or the employees as a whole and not just individually. Um, but yeah, so Cash is a little bit on the more the I, I, I tip. And the rest of them are like, we, we need to move as a collective and get these things done. And um, yeah. I mean, labor unions are a thing, and I don't know. This is really interesting to see that kind of, um, you know, dynamic of, like, you know, what is the right choice for him to make? Should he go along with them and, you know, all for one and one for all? Or should he just, you know, worry about him himself um, and I? Or, you know, worry about himself and do what he needs to do to make the money that he needs to make to have the life he would like. Um, 
And that's a hard choice to make. I mean, nobody can make that choice but him. But I don't know. Cash got a little messy along the way with his decision. So basically, um, you know, speeding things up, they do decide to have a office like demonstration where they all decide to take off their phone headsets and protest and not make any more calls until their demands are heard about better pay, um, healthcare situations and things like that. And he hesitates, but Cash joins in too. And as soon as that happens, he actually gets pulled into the office and he thinks that he's going to be fired, but actually they promote him and they're like, you know what? Um, you've been doing really great. Actually, we're going to promote you to a power caller. And he's like, well, what about this? What about this protest and this demonstration and these demands for um, better pay and better rights? And, he, you know, the management team is like, don't worry about that. They're like, you're not even in that world anymore. That no longer affects you. You're going to be in this golden elevator come Monday. You're going to be up there with the big boys. Um, You know, so they're like, don't even worry about it. So again, there's a separation between Cash, you know, who is winning with his white voice and everybody else who is struggling at this company, barely making money and needing better um better treatment um and he goes from like you know angry about how the other employees are being treated to mm, pretty happy and popping a bottle of champagne after he gets promoted and um you know his attitude changed real quick um you know once he got the news and you can tell there's a little bit of conflict but it fades quickly like he he celebrates pretty quickly um so, you know, he leaves, he, um, he leaves for the weekend and he hesitates about telling his girlfriend and his friends about the promotion, um, because he knows that they're probably going to look at him sideways and be like, I'm sorry, like, were you, are you on our side or are you not? Um, so he hesitates, but you know, he comes in Monday with his little fresh suit and he gets the access code to the golden elevator. He gets on. It's a pretty funny scene with this very awkward elevator voice by Rosario Dawson. Um, and yeah, he joins the big boys. So he's up there with um, Amari Hardwick from Power, from so many shows. Um, and Amari Hardwick... Um, Hartwick actually doesn't have a name in this movie, which I think is really weird and super subliminal, subliminal, right? Because he's like the only other black guy who's a power caller, who's like super successful and a big shot, but they don't give him a name. Every time his name is said in the movie, it goes a mister and they blank it out like a cuss word or something like that. They just like blow the horn on it so you never hear his name um so for me I kind of felt that that was like a message saying like this black man is really only significant for the money that he brings into this company we don't care about his name we don't care about who he is what he does um he really only matters 
as far as the dollars and coins that he brings into this company and that's it like who cares what his name's what his name is so i thought that was like you know a sign to cash that's like or a sign to the audience that black lives are not valued at this company so um so yeah but anyway cash was super excited it gets up there he's pumped up he's excited he's loving it um and then they tell him that he's going to be selling like a different product the downstairs what they do on the lower level is excuse me it's nothing compared to what he's going to be doing up there that he's going to be selling a completely different product that's very upscale high value very expensive very profitable so you know he's excited all he's hearing is dollar sounds money 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 um but they tell him what it is um and you know he's kind of like like maybe i have to think about this this is a little weird so kind of another storyline that's coming that's in this movie is a company called worry free so like there's these advertisements that you'll see on the television in the movie about a company called worry free and it's basically a company that is offering people free room and board and free meals in exchange for them working and doing free labor for their entire lives so that's the contract you live in their facility um and eat for free live for free and in um live there for free and eat for free for the rest of your life as long as you work for them for free um so free labor which equals slavery (laughs) you know like very obvious um you know it's not the same thing as living with your parents you know for free and eating for free that's you know totally different um so my first thought was oh my god this is the prison industrial um system complex or whatever so i'm just like you know free labor literally prisoners criminal i don't want to say criminals but prisoners um being used for all these companies to work for free because oh well you're in jail so you know who cares if you're giving free labor you're already here um and you're of lower value because you committed a crime or maybe you didn't commit a crime but regardless you're here right so we're going to use you and nobody's going to do anything about it because there's a loophole um so that was pretty creepy to watch too because that's all I kept thinking I was like uh this is the prison um you know the prison industry this is the prison industry for people of color what's happening to them and I'm just like ugh, I was cringing so anyway um you know Lakeith, again, Lakeith is like, mm, at a crossword, crossroad, and he's like, I don't know, like, this is kind of a weird product to sell. He's like, oh, so we're selling people. And, you know, um, Amari Hardwick is like, mm, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, if you want to put it that way. So anyway, um, he gets all these warning signs, basically, that he probably shouldn't do this, but he does it anyway. Because, you know, again, money. Greed, greed, greed. I want to talk a bit about Detroit. 
her character. So while this is going on, um, because, you know, she's in a relationship with Cash. So she's seeing all this shit go down and she's seeing, you know, how he's changing his attitude, his ambition, all these things. And she's kind of looking at him like, I thought you were woke. <laughs> like, I'm kind of fake woke. So um, she's kind of getting irritated with him. And she's, you know, in his ear like, this is wrong. You need to think about what you're doing. Like, this company is awful. And now you're in a position where you're doing something that's um, extremely problematic. You are basically participating in something that's very similar to slavery. And um, he just doesn't want to hear that, right? Because he's making money. He has a new place, uh, a new car, just a new life. And he's also paid off his uncle's house. So he was able to save them from being um, homeless. So he's just like, I just see the benefits of my new life. I'm not trying to hear what you're saying. He was like, you didn't have any complaints when you were riding in this new car, sleeping over at this new place. He's like, you want to reap the benefits, but you don't want to do the work. So he's like, you're hypocritical. Um, <clears throat> you know, so they, they get upset. There's tension between them. They kind of take a little bit of a break. Um, but the interesting thing is is that Detroit is hella problematic herself, right? Because she's an artist and they do a scene with one of her art shows. So she's kind of doing some work where there's like pieces that kind of um, symbolize Africa. And the scene where she's showing her work She's acting as if she's an art dealer instead of the person who actually created the art. But she's putting on her white voice to sell the art because she feels like, obviously, that's going to work better for her. She's also selling this art to mostly white people, um, probably at, you know, high rates because, you know, she wants to make money. So, you know, you know, that's uh, pretty hypocritical of her. She's only doing the same thing, just in a different format. Um, and then there's another scene where she has a different type of art exhibit. And I don't know, it's kind of crazy. She's like standing on stage. She has on like glass sunglasses and I guess like a plastic suit and plastic shoes and she basically has like all these cell phones in a bucket and I want to say pig's blood or some type of blood. And she's basically saying, give me the audience instructions about how the art show is going to go. And she's like, I have these cell phones in a bucket. I have these balloons filled with blood. I'm going to recite this uh, quote from a film. And as I say it, I want you to throw these cell phones at me in this in this and these balloons filled with blood. And um, yeah, so apparently the cell phones are supposed to represent um, how certain components of cell phones are manufactured in Africa. Um, and so, I mean, there's some symbolism, but it gets real awkward because like they're just throwing these hard ass cell phones at her and this pig's blood in a balloon. And it just looks, it looks crazy. It doesn't even 
you know, look, it doesn't make sense. So she starts crying and Cash kind of steps on stage and he's like, why are you subjecting yourself to this? And it's a really interesting scene because she's like, well, if anybody should understand, you should. She was like, are you not sitting there at that company literally selling people to worry free? Or talking to companies trying to convince them that they should um, hire worry-free so they can have free labor for their companies. Um, So she was just like, you cannot be the pot calling the kettle black. You're doing the same thing as me. Um, So basically, this woke couple is both problem. They're both of them are problematic as hell. They're hypocritical as hell. And they're going back and forth telling each other, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And they're both doing the same shit, just in different places. Um, So, yeah. And I think that just kind of goes to show that a lot of times a lot of problematic black people who put money before, I don't know, ethics in themselves, um, they don't see themselves when they're doing it. They just kind of see the end product, which is the check, the bank account, the things they're able to buy, all the material shit. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, you guys, there's just a lot of cool points and cool things to think about in this movie where you're like, damn, this is really close to real life. Um, and it just kind of makes you... It makes you angry, it makes you sad, it makes you laugh, you know, depending on what scene it is. Um, So, yeah, I mean, please go watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, But in any case, he leaves the art show to go to a party where his boss, where he gets to meet his boss, or he gets to meet the boss of Worry Free, the white guy who's running this basically you know, free slave labor company. Um, And the party's crazy. It's like, you know, at this mansion, people are drinking and sleeping with each other. And just like, it's just kind of off the wall. It's intense. So he feels awkward, but he's like, I got to save face because, you know, I want this guy to like me so that I can keep making money, keep getting promoted, keep living this life. So the black guy's at the party, the one who works with him upstairs, um, Hardwick, and he's basically introducing him to important people, right? He's kind of like, hey, this is my, you know, fellow black co-worker who made it up the ranks, and I'm basically just going to introduce him to everybody that's important. Um, so yeah, so anyway, um, this is really awkward ass scene where Cash is trying to impress everybody and the owner is like, oh, where are you from? Like, I know you got some good hood stories for me. I know like, you know, you're from Oakland and cause this, um, this film, the telemarketing company is set in Oakland, California. Um, so he's just like, yeah, I know you're from Oakland. Like, I just know you got some good-ass hood stories for me, selling drugs, being a gangsta. And Cash is like, nah. Like, actually, I know nothing about that life. That's not how I grew up. Like, he's like, I can tell you about 
you know, some other stuff about being black in Oakland, but as far as that drug life and being a thug and all that shit, like, that's just not, that wasn't my black experience. Um, so you can tell that he's, like, disappointing this white guy. So he's like, shit, let me do something to impress him. So basically the dude's like, you know, we'll, we'll rap for me. I want you to rap. I know you can rap. And he's like, no, I can't actually rap. He's like, I'm actually, like, really bad at that shit. I'm really bad at it. And he's like, no, like, you, you got to be able to rap. Like, I know you can. Um, so he does it. He literally puts on a goddamn performance for him. And I was like, if this is not some type of, um, you know, blackface, um, you know, entertainment, foolery, like, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, what the hell? Um, so he literally gets in front of all, uh, in front of the party for all these white people. And he's like trying to rap. He sounds like shit. But then he's just like, oh, well, what can I do? So he starts saying, nigga, 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 nigga. He literally just starts saying that over and over and over again. And the white people are like throwing their hands up and down, vibing with it. And I'm fucking cringing in my seat. I'm like, oh, hell no. And he's just doing it like five minutes um, strong. And the white guy, the owner, is looking like he is just in shock um and later we find out like why things kind of play out the way that they do but yeah he's in shock he's literally seeing this black man stand in front of all these white people making a fool of himself just to impress them chanting nigga 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 and letting these this crowd of white people say it back to him and I'm just like, every single one of them needs their ass beat because this is unacceptable. And I was just thinking, I was just like, I wonder how Lakeith felt, you know, as a black man, even though he's in a role, like, how do, how the hell did he feel even doing this scene? Because I'm like, this is just, I'm like, this is too much. I'm like, I know this is a movie and this is art, but I'm like, ah. I'm like, man, I want to slap these white people right now. I'm just like, I cannot believe they're doing this. And I'm like, you know, I know this is a movie, but I'm just like, oh, they may be enjoying this moment a little bit too much. So it was, they took it there with that scene. So anyway, um, yeah, some more stuff happens after that. And I'll get into that. In the next scene... Um, you know, after Cash makes an ass out of himself with his little stupid song, um, he actually gets invited by the owner, Worry Free, to, you know, meet privately in, like, a room in his mansion. And so, you know, the other black guy is like, hey, he wants to meet with you. Don't mess us up. And, you know, he goes and he meets with him. And he's like... I really like you. I have a good feeling about you. I think that, you know, we're going to have, like, some great um, business opportunities for you. So, you know, Cash is super excited. So, anyway, he's like, I'm going to show you this video. And that's what the owner says. And um, before that, Cash, like, does a line of Coke with the owner because you know what better way to celebrate success at a business than doing a line of coke 
So, um, yeah, he does the coke. He's never done it before, but he does it since the owner asked asked him to do it. And, um, yeah, so the guy, he's about to start the video. And Cash is like, you know, I actually really have to use the bathroom. So he's like, oh, you know, take a seat, watch the video first. And he's like, no, I really have to go to the bathroom immediately. So he's like, okay, 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 go. So he's like, gives him directions to find the bathroom. So Cash goes... But he clearly goes, like, in the wrong room. And in that room, he hears somebody saying, like, help me. I need some help. I don't feel well. And he basically discovers that um, a, a person or someone in the bathroom stall, the person falls out. It's actually not a person. It's, like, a horse person. <laughs> so here's where it gets, like, a little sci-fi and stops being, like, um you know, realistic, but I mean, that's fine. It's a movie. You can be creative. So it's like a horse person. He's on the floor and he's screaming and he's like, I need your help. I don't feel well. And so Cash, you know, reaction is to run the fuck out the room. He's like, oh, hell no. So he doesn't know if he's high off the coke or if he really just saw what he saw. So he's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. So the owner um, sees him you know, running out the bathroom, he's like, why did you go in that room? I told you to go in a different room. And he's like, you know, <clears throat> basically they all look the same color to me. Um, so anyway, so he's like, calm down, calm down. If you would have watched the video first, like you would understand what you just saw. So he's like, come back in the room with me, watch the video. So, you know, Cash is like, nah, hell no. He's like, I am not about to do this. Clearly some crazy shit is going on. I'm done. I'm out. So he's like, no, 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 come back. And so he's like holding a gun on him. He's like, basically, bring your ass back in here, watch this video, or, you know, or else. So he goes back with him. He watches the video. He watches the video. And so it's like this crazy ass video of basically um, kind of what the direction of that worry free company is going in. They basically are deciding not only are they going to give free labor to all these companies, they want to make that labor be super efficient by turning humans into half human, half horse people so that they can be strong, like very strong and work harder um, so they can be less human, meaning they're not going to like ask for things and, you know, have the, all the needs that humans would need, which is like breaks and you know, just human rights and things like that. So they think the perfect mix is to have a half human, half horse person to do this free labor. So basically everybody in worry free is going to be turned from humans to horse people in order to make their, um, make their like free labor a lot more productive and efficient for all these companies who are hiring worry free. Um, so the white guy just thinks he's brilliant. He's like, this is brilliant, right? He's like, we're not turning people into horses for no reason. Of course not. We're doing it for productivity. So Cash is looking at him like, this motherfucker is out of his mind. <laughs> so anyway, he's like, I'm good. I don't want to be a part of this. And then he's thinking, he's like, oh, the Coke that I just took, is that you know, the type of stuff that would turn people into horses. Is that what that was? Was it not Coke? Was it actually, um, you know, um, some type of drug or 
something that would turn me into a horse. He's like, no, of course not. Like, I would get your permission before I would do anything like that. Obviously, I'm not that type of person. Um, you know, we'll find out later that this dude is a liar. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so that's a pretty big scene. Like Cash finally finds out exactly what Worry Free is all about, what his company is a part of, what they're attaching themselves to, and basically, basically all cards laid on the table about what um, the stakes are. And so he finally gets the big picture, and he's like, fuck, what do I do? So he decides to immediately quit his job, um, you know, he go home, he goes home, he freaks out. Um, and he's just like figuring out what the hell do I do next? You know, he calls his ex cause you know, they like broke up. He calls Detroit and he's just like, I'm freaking out. Like, I think something just happened at first. She doesn't answer his call, but then she does. And she comes to visit him and she's like, why are you sending me messages asking me about, um, like he sent her pictures of his penis Asking if his dick looked bigger because apparently the owner was like, oh, like the benefit of being a horse horse person is that, um, you know, you get a a really big horse dick. (laughs) And Cash is like, no, thank you. Um, I actually forgot to mention something. So basically the owner was trying to offer him a business proposal where he wanted Cash to become one of those horse people and he wanted them him to basically manage the horse people, but he wanted to manage manage Cash. He basically wanted to be in Cash's ear telling him everything he wanted him to do and then have Cash go back to the other horse people and be like speak to them as if he's one of them but really kind of be going behind be a be a person that's going behind their back and really working for the man um so he wanted him to be a sellout he wanted him to feed them information and gain their trust and get them to do everything that he wanted them to do to represent himself as if he was for the people when he wasn't uh kind of what he was already doing in a sense when he was working you know, at the telemarketing company on a lower level, he kind of acted like he was about the team and everybody else, but about everyone's else interests. But he was really about himself and his coins and his money. And he didn't really focus on, um, you know, how it was going to affect what, how the company was going to affect everyone else. He really just focused on, what he could get out of it. So anyway, everything is coming full circle. And he's really understanding that like this is a complete fucking shit show. And I need to not only do I need to get out of this situation, but I need to um let people know what's going on with this company so that they will um you know so we can just stop it. So we can end this company. So we can end what's happening. And so that people will know that this is um, a company that's not only promoting free labor, free labor, which is, you know, obviously slavery, but also <laughs> turning people into horses. Um, so, yeah, you know, it gets a little obviously fictional with that part. 
But all in all, it's just like it takes it to go to that point where he's finally like waking up and understanding what's happening and um, finally having an issue with it. Like before that point, he's just like, oh, you know, turning a blind eye and being like, oh, this is not an issue. This is not an issue. But when it came to people actually being mutated into horses, then it was like, oh, now this is problematic. So hmm, that says a lot about his character and a lot about people who kind of get in the fight only when the stakes are high. So Cash is finally in the game. He's ready to fight back. He's ready to blow the whistle and um, blow everything up and let people know what the hell is going on. So, um, you know, he I think he finally realizes he's been problematic in the past, but now he's like, I'm ready to do the right thing now. Um, even if it may be, you know, too late. So, you know, he speaks to his girlfriend about it and they try to think of ways to bring this whole thing down. So he goes to the media and he, you know, he basically tells them everything that's happened, everything from letting them know that this is free slave labor, which, you know, that part was pretty obvious, but even more so about the horse, um, turning people into horses. So, you know, he actually has a recording to prove it. When he was in the bathroom, his phone actually got lost. And so it was able to record, um, like a scenario where the owner was basically beating on the horse people and, um, you know, i.e., a slave over slave owner being on a slave it's just very symbolic of a lot of shit um so he released that footage to the media and they put it all over the news and instead of it hurting the company it actually worked in his favor um kind of reminded me of like the presidential election and the campaign is like the more and more bullshit came out of nonsense the more the polls were you know went up uh, for Trump and it's just like how how is this even happening but um yeah so it worked in favor of the company and the stock went up the stock went up like crazy um, so you see the white guy like on the news, like, you know, ringing the bell about his pub, his company doing well and all these people, all these white people being like, oh yeah, we're about to make a lot of money. This is a brilliant idea. We can take this to the bank and it's, just, it's fucking awful. I mean, it's pretty much like there is no limit to what we will do to profit off of people, to profit off people of color. After going to the media doesn't work, um, Cash just figures that he has to take this into his own hands. Clearly, the media isn't listening or people just aren't really understanding the gravity of what's happening. So him and his friends, um, him and the people that he used to work with, his old co-workers from the telemarketing agency, uh, Langston, Salvador, Squeeze, and even his ex-girlfriend Detroit, 
they all band together with him and they're like, you know, we got to figure out something to do to stop this because we tried the media and that did not work. That just, you know, made it more popular. So they decided to basically do a protest, get some friends together and block the power callers from coming in to work because those power power callers were responsible for employing warrior free workers or free laborers. Um, so basically, if those power callers don't reach out to companies and get those companies to use worry free for free labor, then you know worry free is no longer going to be a successful company, and that shuts down the whole the whole game. So the process takes place. And it's a standoff between Cassius and his people and the power callers who are trying to get into the building and the police who's trying to, you know, shut everything down. It gets pretty crazy. It gets violent. There's tear gas. There's fighting. There's blood. There's people on the floor. Um, and it's not looking good. So soon, like, you start noticing, like, just like a lot of fighting, you're not really sure who's going to win this or how it's going to work out. And then you start seeing like a lot of the horse people actually there at the protest. So they were able to break free and they kind of took control of this fight per se. And they were able to, you know, get the police out a bit, uh, remove the power callers and really just kind of win this fight. Um, so the next scene, Cash is back at home at his uncle's house, living in the garage again. Um, he's with his girlfriend, Detroit. Everything seems all fine and restored with the world, or so it seems. And um, the next thing, you know, he starts feeling really weird, and he actually is turning into a horse. So I guess that just kind of goes to say, to bring everything full circle, is that Cash made some poor choices along the way. Like, he kind of just chose, he chose the wrong route between should he, you know, choose greed over knowing what he was really participating in and either shutting it down or not being a part of it or just only worrying about taking it to the bank. And he obviously got lost along the way and made some poor de- poor decisions and ultimately, ended up with him turning actually into you know one of the horse people so ultimately like he lost like he lost a lot more than just you know new money a new place a new car and all these things he lost kind of his whole humanity in a sense he got turned into one of those horse people um now they do go to the man who started worry free he goes to his house with a like a group of the horse people and i guess they're coming to either kick his ass or to kill him but um at the end of the day i don't know who really won so i don't know i guess that's food for thought but yeah that was pretty much the movie in a nutshell Check it out. See how you feel about it. Email me at youngishgiftedandblack at gmail.com and, you know, let me know what your thoughts were. So thanks, you guys, for listening, and I appreciate it.